The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's News Podcast here on Big Review Radio. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to uh, to support our channel. And we always thank you for listening. Thank you for your support uh, across all of our various platforms. Today, we're going to be talking about Friday's preseason game, second preseason game, first home game of the year at MetLife Stadium against the uh, the Carolina Panthers. And here to uh, to help me uh, break it all down is Brian Beversluice of Cat Scratch Reader, also the host of the Keep Sounding podcast. Brian, thank you very, very much for uh, hopping on for a few minutes. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, Carolina Panthers, 27 nothing loss to the New York Jets. Obviously, you know, in their in the preseason opener. You know, but I tell I tell Giants fans nobody really cares about the uh, about the score, about the results of of preseason games. Are there any, you know, for you guys? Obviously, probably not great ex- expectations for the Panthers this year. But for you guys, were there, were there positives? Were there any? Was there anything anything on on the plus side to take away from uh, from that game? Oh, plus side is easily that Bryce Young looks ad- as advertised. Um, footwork's really good. He has really high-level anticipation for a rookie quarterback. Um, I'm not really right. I'm not really taking a whole lot of stock in what happened in that game. I mean, the the starting eleven on offense only played eleven snaps, so it's one of those things where it's it's a very very small sample size. Um, overall, though, like Bryce Young was the guy that we were most interested to see and he looks really good and part of it part of the reason why their offense struggled so much was just that Frank Reich came out and said like we're not going to show anything that they that we're going to do in the regular season um so everything was very vanilla I think most of the routes they ran were all stop routes as far as what the wide receivers were running and Bryce Young was passing to him but watching Bryce Young he looked like a pro quarterback right away which is all always a good thing to see Absolutely. You know, for you guys, it's uh, it's it's franchise changing when you 
you know, when you take a quarterback number one or when you take a quarterback early in the first round, and I mean, it, it can change your fortunes for the better or it can set you back for a long way if you get it wrong. Um, it looked like Bryce Young didn't play a whole lot in that first game. What are we expecting or what are you guys expecting in terms of Bryce Young's playing time Friday night in terms of of starter playing time in general for Carolina on Friday night? Oh, my expectation is probably uh, maybe a few more series. He only really played three series because the offense couldn't really get a whole lot of first downs. I think they only, he only may have. Yeah, he played three series and they got one first down. So maybe like six series, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe that, if that works out, that's maybe a half, you know, who knows? Maybe. I don't know. It just mm-hmm. depends on how productive the offense is, but I don't expect them to overplay him too much. If they have like two solid drives go through, they might just pull him and let Matt Corral play the rest of the game. So they're, they're very much keeping everything under wraps as far as what they're going to do on offense. And they're very much protecting him. I think you expect Bryce young has Frank Reich said, is, is he going to be the week one starter when you get to the regular season? What are you expecting there? Oh, no, he's already been named the starter. He's QB one. Uh, Andy Dalton hasn't really played at, or it probably isn't going to play at all in the preseason because they're using that time to give Matt Corral some valuable snaps because he didn't really get a whole lot in the preseason last year and got hurt. So, but no, right now, Bryce Young locked and loaded week one starter. I wanted to ask you, you know, Frank Reich is, this is his second opportunity as a head coach. And, you know, fairly or not got let go in Indianapolis. I thought, you know, he had some good years there. The thing they could, they could never seem to get right in Indianapolis was the quarterback situation. Hopefully for, you know, for the sake of, of Panthers fans, they get this one right with Bryce Young. I'm just curious so far, you haven't seen a regular season game yet, so his record is zero and zero. But just impressions of of Frank Reich at this point, and whether people seem to think that that he could be you know, a long term head coach for Carolina. I think he can be. Um, they very much went out and uh, attacked the coaching search after they finally decided on a head coach. They got Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator from the Rams. They got Ejiro Evero, the defensive coordinator from the Broncos, all hot con- candidates there. Um, they got Josh McCown as their quarterback coach. They have Dom Capers, who's an executive dis- assistant, basically, for the coaches. They have Jim Caldwell as an assistant as well. Like He assembled a heck of a coaching staff. I mean, it's, it's very impressive the number of awesome names they have there. Um, it's very much night and day from the Matt Rule era back uh, over the last three years because Matt Rule came in and kind of just brought all his Baylor and Temple coaches with him. And he didn't really figure out until his third year when he was already on the hot seat and probably going to get fired that maybe you should bring in some other ideas and other outside mindsets. And Frank Reich just came in and blew it off, blew everything off the roof or blew the roof off everything with as far as the coaching staff. Um I like him. I mean, he. I feel like he was let go way too early from Indianapolis. I know they never really gave him a chance to go draft a quarterback and mold him. So he just assembled the perfect staff to help develop a quarterback 
I'm very happy with him right now. I think he could be a long-term coach. I have a feeling in the end that they're going to they're going to lose Evero, they're going to lose Thomas Brown. They're two coordinators to other positions or to other head coaching positions just because they're young guys that everybody's looking for. You're always looking for the next Sean McVay. So, but right now, heck of a coaching staff, heck of a mindset, heck of a process. It seems it seems very legitimate, and I'm happy with it overall, even if they don't really win a whole lot of games this year. You guys weren't interested in uh, in the Ben McAdoo experience in elevating him to head coach? <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not. It's funny with Ben McAdoo, the offense actually worked a lot better when Matt rule was gone because then they, uh, they ran the offense they were supposed to, they built the offense to run the ball a lot and kind of take a lot of weight off the quarterback. And it only took them firing Matt rule, trading Christian McCaffrey, uh, benching Baker Mayfield for them to start doing that under Ben McAdoo. Interesting. Yeah, we uh, obviously are very familiar with the with the the Ben McAdoo experience. Let me let, let me just ask you a, a question, an, one more McAdoo question, and before we move on, did uh, did Ben run anything in Carolina other than eleven personnel? <laughs> he did, though it was all kind of the same stuff. Um, the offense really worked at its best, honestly, in 11 personnel because <laughs> um, they just ran the ball down teams throats. Once they finally figured out we're a power rushing team, we shouldn't be basing our offense around th- throwing the ball 35 times a game. So, I mean, he very much did eventually what he was brought in to do, but it wasn't anything creative or anything like that. Yeah, the the, the Ben McAdoo experience is, is, is an interesting one. It but, sure uh, is, yeah. Yeah, but but no, I'm not surprised that uh, that that Ben McAdoo did not get a uh, did not get a, a sniff of the head coaching job. Nope, uh, not even an interview. <clears throat> I, I want to ask you the the second round pick for the Panthers this year was wide receiver Jonathan Mingo. It's a player who I liked a lot in the pre draft process. I thought maybe in the right circumstance. Maybe if he was still around in the third round, in the you know in the right circumstance, he might land with the Giants. I'm just curious, you know, what you guys think of of Mingo so far, and what kind of player you think he can be. Well, as far as uh, the preseason goes, he didn't catch any passes against the Jets. Um, however, he came out as a starter for the Panthers right away, but with Adam Thielen, DJ Chark. He's the third starter as far as their depth chart goes. So that's very impressive on its own because they already have another second round wide receiver on the roster in Terrace Marshall. Um, overall, from what I've seen in the in the uh, offseason, he has a great connection with Bryce Young. Um, I think that he's going to be good. I don't know how good. I don't know if he'll ever be a wide receiver one or anything like that. But what he did really well in college that I saw was those smoke routes, those slot receiver routes where you catch the ball, you let him run with it. He's a big guy, very strong as far as possession uh, receiver goes. So I mean, I'm impressed with him already just because he's already broken into the starting lineup. Cause as you probably know, there's always those coaches where they make rookies earn it. And now he came out week one of the preseason and he was considered a starter. So I'm a fan. Nice. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. 
But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Giants fans, we're talking with Brian Beversluice of the Keep Sounding podcast, looking ahead to Friday night's preseason game against the Carolina Panthers. Brian, let me turn to uh, to a different topic. Obviously, this year there's only one roster cut from 90 to 53 when the uh, when the preseason ends. And, you know, every team is going to be looking for a couple of players to, to add to their roster in, in different places who might be, you know, some of the some of the, the bubble players for Carolina who might be, you know, legitimate guys who, who could end up who could belong on a 53 man roster, but might not make it in Carolina. You know, guys for Giants fans to to keep an eye on as as they watch the game Friday night. Well, if you guys need center help, uh, Sam Tecklenburg was a was a Matt Rule guy, former Baylor player, center slash guard. Um, I felt he always played very well uh, coming out and in, in relief of their other centers. Um, I liked him a lot. I'm not sure if he's going to make the roster or not. I think he should, but I don't really know at this point. Um, beyond that, we have uh, Kobe Jones, defensive end from Mississippi State, one-year player. And uh, bringing up the other guy real quick, we have, uh, let's see, where is he at? They have so many different positions at linebacker. Uh, Aku <laughs> Leota um, is another guy where they both showed out as far as being pass rushers. They actually kind of outperformed DJ Johnson, the third round pick they traded up for uh, in this past draft as far as being pass rushers. So those guys could very much be out there and available as those priority like uh free agent slash waiver wire pickups. So those would be my three. Um, overall, Carolina doesn't have a whole lot of people that are those training camp darlings where you, you are like hoping they make the roster because they've done such a good job. It's mainly just been those flashes from guys that you really never expected to make the roster. Yeah. You guys are probably more in that situation the Giants have been in a number of times in recent years where once you set your 53, it'll probably change quite a bit between the time the 53 gets set and week one rolls around. Yeah, I'd yeah. agree with that. They they already have uh, Demir Bird was one of their wide receivers they brought in for punt and kick return duties. He's already on IR for the rest of the year. So. There's going to be a wide receiver who makes the roster that main, or I should say 
I shouldn't say they will, but there's probably going to be a wide receiver to make the roster who may not have otherwise because of that. So it's very interesting just because it's a whole new coaching staff. So you don't really know what they're going to stick with. Like uh, Ajira Everoy will probably hold on to six outside linebackers, which isn't normal. Um, but that's just the way he, he does things. That's how he did things in Denver. So it's interesting. I'm curious. You guys are starting over in Carolina, new head coach, new rookie quarterback. What would expectations be for Carolina this year? What would make Panthers fans feel good at the end of the season that, that they've got a coach, that they've got a quarterback that they can go forward with. What, what, what would make you feel good about the 2023 season? If they can manage to get eight wins, I will be happy. Um, it's, it's a very interesting situation because eight wins might be enough to win the NFC South because the rest of the division is just very up in the air at this point. The Saints are probably the most uh, solid team, but there's there's a possibility that Carolina finishes fourth. There's a possibility that Carolina finishes first. So I'm kind of sitting here like eight or nine wins with the roster they have, especially with the turnover at wide receiver, losing DJ Moore. I'd be happy with eight or nine wins just because it showed they were competitive throughout the entire season. And that's, that's enough for a season with a rookie quarterback because you're already implementing a new defense, a new offense, and bring, breaking in a new quarterback. It's funny. It's interesting to me that you went right to number of wins. I mean, the Giants were in a similar situation a year ago with new head coach at that time, a rookie head coach in uh, in Brian Dayball, first year general manager in Joe Shane, and still needing to figure out if Daniel Jones was their guy. And I looked at it like it's not the number of wins. It's do we have a front office that knows what it's doing? Do we have a head coach we can go forward with? And were we able to make a decision about whether or not Daniel Jones was the quarterback to go forward with? I didn't think wins had anything to do with with, with whether the season was a success or not. The Giants ended up winning more games than I thought they would. But I, like I said, I'm, I was interested that, that you went right to wins as, uh, as the measuring stick. I think the the wins part of it is mainly just because of how crappy they've been since like the the height of the Cam Newton era. Um, it's been what 2018 since they had a healthy Cam Newton, and even then he only lasted about half the season. Um, so it's one of those things where it's not like they are completely rebuilding. They have a lot of good good pieces. They have Brian Burns. They have Derek Brown. They have J.C. Horn on defense. They have Jeremy Chin. They have an offensive line that the, the entire point of last year's uh, the last offseason was to rebuild the offensive line. And so far, it seems like they did it. So it's not a situation where you're just looking for necessarily positives. It's more so, are they going to capitalize on these on these talented players they have? I mean, losing DJ Moore sucked, obviously, but they didn't just they weren't complacent in free agency. I mean, bringing in guys like Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Hayden Hurst, like it wasn't like they weren't trying to do something to be competitive this year. So that's kind of why I'm sitting here thinking that eight or nine wins is, is a success just because it wasn't like they were 
kind of buckling down for a rebuild. It was very much just kind of a change of pace. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm curious. You mentioned offensive line in Carolina, and it made me think back to the 2022 draft. The uh, The Giants took Evan Neal, you know, right tackle out of Alabama. They took him seventh overall. They had an opportunity at Iki Iquanu, but chose Kayvon Thibodeau with the fifth overall pick and then went with Neal at number seven. How happy is Carolina with uh, with Aquanu at this point? And uh, you know what what do you think the ceiling is for him? Oh, I think he's all pro left tackle material, hundred um, percent. He struggled a little bit to begin the season, which that doesn't help when you have to face Miles Garrett in twenty twenty two to start the season. He's obviously one of the best pass rushers in the league, but Aquanu really kind of came into his own uh, towards at like. I would say like week three, week four, and then throughout the rest of the season, he was pretty good. He graded out as one of the better left tackles in the NFL. He struggled against the Jets this past week or this past weekend, but I'm not all that worried about it. Like it's preseason jitters. They played 11 snaps. The Jets defensive line is very good. So Aquanu really fit what the Panthers were trying to do at that time. He's a better, he's a much better, or I shouldn't say better, but more, um, he's more established as a run blocker at this point. Like he's, he's more adept at that, I guess is the word that I was looking for, but still a good pass blocker. I mean, I love the guy, former wrestler. So he has tons of, uh, as far as leverage and using his hands, he has a ton of mileage on that. I very much like him. Um, yeah, 100% all pro left tackle. Not to say that Evan Neal can't be the same. I mean, it was those top three left tackles. You I should say top three tackles because I believe Evan Neal ended up playing on the right side for the Giants. But yes. um, those top three tackles, I mean, all of them were good. It wasn't necessarily missing out on one or the other. But Aquanu really fit just because the Panthers' original plan was to be a running-based team, and that's what he succeeded at right away. So I'm excited to see what he does this year. Interesting. I know Giants fans uh, have their fingers crossed. Evan Neal had a rough rookie season. And, and they have their fingers crossed that, that we see uh, a nice step forward from Neil in, in year two. So so hopefully hopefully that works out for the Giants. And, you know, we'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see how that goes. Last question for you, Brian. Is there interest in Carolina, in, the, in your listeners at the Keep Sounding podcast, in the readers at Cat Scratch Reader, is there interest in Daniel Jones because he, he came out of Duke because he's from, you know, the North Carolina area? Uh, not really. <laughs> um, there are some Duke, uh, there are some Duke people who are very loyal to their teams, but for the most part, once Daniel Jones went to the giants, I haven't heard a peep about him on CSR. Now, granted, CSR is all Panthers related. And for the most part, it's complaining about what's going on with the Panthers at this moment. So (laughs) (laughs) of course um, it is, which is what it's supposed to be. I will say I'll give Daniel Jones credit uh, after where the giants took him and Dave Gettleman, you know, famous Panthers GM who kind of blew up the franchise after the 2015 season. Um, I I'm very impressed that Daniel Jones has worked his way to where he's at. So good for him. All right. On that note, Brian, I think uh, I think we've covered just about everything. 
Uh, thank you very, very much for the time. Uh, and uh, as I said, it's the Keep Sounding podcast, and it's Cat Scratch Reader, SB Nation's Carolina website. If you guys want the uh, the Panthers' perspective on on Friday night's preseason game, so uh, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.